You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with a tragedy in the waters of the Pitt River today about capsizing, sending a group of people into the water. Jordan Armstrong joins us now with the details. Jordan. Colleen, we do not know if today's strong wind was a factor in the incident, but it has been windy all day on the south coast. There were white caps on the river. Here's what we do know. The boat flipped just after 11 this morning in the waters south of Monroe Creek. Emergency crews rushed to the Pitt River area that fronts the 4900 block of Quarry Road. Three people were rescued by passing boaters and treated for shock hypothermia. A search was launched for two others, a man and a woman. One body has been recovered and the RCMP dive team is now trying to locate the second one. But we understand they are searching in challenging conditions right now. At this point, the ages and names of the victims have not been released. We expect the investigation will be turned over to the B.C. Coroner's Service. Colleen. All right. Thanks for that, Jordan. We have some breaking news now and more unprecedented fallout over the global COVID-19 pandemic. Whistler Blackcomb has announced its closing operations starting tomorrow. Its owner, Vail Resort, says it's closing all of its North American mountain resorts and retail stores, including Whistler, the largest ski resort in North America. It will shut down for at least a week. The resort CEO saying that officials will use that time to reassess the rest of the season. Lodging and property management operations will remain open for guests already there, but they will not be taking any more new reservations for the coming week. The announcement obviously taking spring break visitors off guard. I think it's a bit wild that they're closing the mountain, but then that pub right there is having a big party with drinking and alcohol, and that seems more dangerous to me. Shouldn't we be more careful in that sense? So I think I it's... I didn't see anyone who seemed sick today. You're, like, spread out from people when you're on the mountain. I'm... Mask gloves. Completely shocked. Wow. Christy Gordon is there in Whistler with more on this sudden announcement. Christy, you're there on spring break with your family. That's right, Colleen. You know, I've been coming up here all my life and never had anything like this, but that's the case right around the world that people are experiencing. And I have to say, you know, I was sh shocked and disappointed. I was really disappointed for the kids. The kids were disappointed, but there's also an understanding as to why this has happened. Now, I have run into someone, an ex-Global BC employee, Sam Falk, you all know her, uh, a family that who has been extremely impacted by sort of the situation with COVID-19. You had plans to go to Hawaii and then changed it and decided to come here. How is your family feeling? We actually had plans to go to Disneyland and a three-day cruise. So clearly both of those were shut down. So I have to say that these are very privileged problems to have that our spring break plans were affected. Um, but we thought we'd come to Whistler because it's the best place to be and we love to ski and it seemed like a no brainer. And we literally checked into the hotel room, got our keys, went to our room and got the news that the mountain had shut down. So, I mean, these are such unprecedented times. It's, it's really hard to cope with the rapidity of change. Yeah. And that's the thing is it's the uncertainty for families as well. But isn't it, you know, there's a question. You said you were in the pool at the hotel and there the pool is packed. And we, we've got this restaurant behind us here, the Longhorn, that's absolutely packed right now. And it is interesting, you know, this big wide open mountain and that's not closed. No, I mean, the hotel that we're staying at is clearly open. There were at least 20 people in the hot tub, probably 100 people in the pool in very close quarters. You know, my son even made a comment that the, the hot tub is probably the place that you would be, you might be infected. 
protected because of such such close contact. I mean, look at the mountain behind us. It's it's beautiful and open, and I think it's unusual that they close for eight days. That's the, the part that confuses me. So, Colleen, I mean, unprecedented times for sure, but uh, uh, there is a sense of understanding as to why they're doing this. Uh, there's lots still here to offer here in, uh, in Whistler, and as uh, Sam was saying, we're very lucky. We've got such a beautiful province, still lots to do. All right, I'll throw it back to you now. All right, thanks so much for that, Christy. There are nine new confirmed cases of COVID-19, bringing BC's total to 73. Most of them are in self-isolation at home. Just three are in acute care in hospital. And a turn in our province's testing strategy. As Catherine Urquhart reports, the provincial health officer says even if you exhibit COVID-19 symptoms, you won't necessarily be tested. Outside Lionsgate Hospital, crews prepare to set up a COVID-19 assessment centre. It's just one of several expected to open in the coming days. BC's health minister says individual health authorities will announce details very soon. Yes, uh, health authorities are addressing strategies to deal with potential lineups in places and you'll see those perhaps at urgent and primary care centres or, or outside of hospitals just to make sure that uh, that uh, the situation in those places is reasonable for people who are seeking care. News of testing locations comes as nine more cases are announced, bringing the total to 73. Seven are in the Vancouver coastal region, most related to the Lynn Valley Care Centre. One case is in Fraser Health, another in Interior Health. Also announced, a change in testing protocol. For most people, you do not need a test. Um, and we want to make sure that testing is available for all who do need it. And the focus will be on ensuring that people, we will continue to test people in active investigations and cluster outbreaks because that's how we determine how this virus is, is spreading in our community. Healthcare workers, importantly, uh, people who are in hospital and need to, we need to understand what is causing their illness or people who have uh, more severe illness and people in long-term care homes. As Canadians grapple with COVID-19 health concerns, many are also trying to navigate the changing financial world. On Friday, the Bank of Canada cut its prime rate 50 points, its second cut in nine days. Some lenders are already changing their variable rates to make fixed rates more attractive. It appears that over the next short period of time, fixed rate will certainly have the most amount of guaranteed savings moving forward. Variable is called that just for that. They can change the terms of what their prime is to not make it as cost effective as it has been in the past. And certainly that's what we saw in 2008. So if history repeats itself as uh, we are seeing the patterns evolve today, then for a short period of time, variable certainly won't necessarily be the best option. A number of institutions are updating their policies to allow clients impacted by COVID-19 to skip a payment. Financial flexibility sure to be needed during this crisis. Also needed, consideration for healthcare workers and institutions. BC's children's and women's hospitals are now limiting visitors, asking that only one or two caregivers visit patients. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now with more on this new testing protocol. Uh, Keith, it appears the goal here is to prevent the medical system from being overwhelmed. 
Exactly, Colleen. Bon Dr. Bonnie Henry has been uh, confident for some time that she does not think COVID-19 is going to overwhelm the entire BC hospital system. But today in that briefing, I asked her whether she thought perhaps when it comes to testing, this is a micro example of perhaps uh, the, the public demand and expectations overwhelming that part of the system when it comes to testing. Here's her response. It has been challenging for sure um, and uh, the, the volume of testing um, went up very dramatically in a short period of time. So we, why we had been putting in place measures to, to um, compensate for increased volumes of testing, it, it kind of all came at once. So there has been um, uh, challenges in the labs. At the same time, we have uh, increased the capacity in uh, several different labs to be able to do the testing. Now, when these new assessment centers are up and running, you just can't suddenly show up and expect to have a swab uh, sample taken. You've got to be directed there either through 811 or through a physician. Uh, and those uh, centers should be up and running within a matter of days. Now, back to the briefing. There won't be a briefing tomorrow by Dr. Henry unless something dramatic happens. The next scheduled one is Monday morning at 10 a.m. We'll be carrying it live on BC1, of course, and live streaming it as well. Uh, in the meantime, folks, continue to w wash your hands continuously with soap. It's the yep. best uh, method of avoiding the virus. And social distancing. Thanks so much, Keith. Yep. The federal government issued notice to Canadians abroad to return home while they still can, with the possibility more countries will close their borders. But the race to get back to Canada is proving to be a bit of a problem for many, including members of a South Surrey rugby team trying to leave the UK. When you're, when you're in charge of uh, 36 kids and, and, uh, and six adults, and you're, you're the one that's, you know, put your put yourself in this position uh it's 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 been consuming uh to say the least i mean the 72 hours it's, it's i've never it's just been i've been buried in it not sleeping well and uh I, i'm just you know sick for the kids back home the parents back home that are worried about their kids and and you're trying to update them as best as possible but then things are evolving so quickly on uh for for these flights is it we had one thing all sorted i thought we were coming home and then boom the flights got changed again the team has now landed a flight Monday, just a few hours before the U.S. travel ban on Ireland and the U.K. takes effect. They will then arrive in Seattle and take a bus up to the Peace Arch border. Once back home, the entire team will be forced to self-isolate for 14 days. The number of confirmed COVID-19 cases is also growing across the country. Ontario announced 22 new cases, bringing the total to more than 100 there. New Brunswick has announced its second case. The first presumptive case has now been confirmed in PEI. And in Quebec, four new cases were announced, with the Premier calling on all people 70 years and older to self-isolate. Manitoba has confirmed at least four new cases, and in Alberta, 10 new cases for a total of 39. A day after British Columbians reacted to the pandemic crisis by rushing to the nearest grocery stores, health officials are making it clear today that there is no need to hoard food and other supplies. And as Kristen Robinson reports, some experts say panic buying could actually increase your chances of contracting the disease. After scenes like this are leading to empty shelves in stores, BC's health minister and top doctor calling for calm amid a stockpiling storm. There are no shortages of goods. We need to be measured in our approach and get what we need, but not to hoard and not to um, have uh, anxiety-provoked purchasing. So how did we get here? 
UBC professor Stephen Taylor wrote the book on the psychology of pandemics. It starts with a small group of people who panic and overpurchase out of a sense of perceived urgency and scarcity, and it snowballs. Often they're not engaging their brains. They're looking around to pick up cues. They see everyone else panicking, and they have this fear of missing out. Some are missing out as retailers struggle to restock high-demand items. London Drugs now limiting essentials like toilet paper, hand sanitizer and wipes to four per customer. We want to ensure that as many people as possible can get access to the supplies that they need. If everyone is reasonable about this, there will be enough for everyone. The government says it makes sense for Canadians to stock up on essentials like non-perishables so you don't need to go shopping if you get sick. But avoid purchasing everything at once or it could be self-defeating. Panic buying increases your chances of getting sick with COVID-19. We're being asked to not gather in large groups. And what do you think the panic buyers are doing? They're gathering in large groups in Costco. Kristen Robinson, Global News. In other news tonight, a windstorm knocked out power to thousands of BC Hydro customers. At its peak this morning, 62,000 customers were in the dark. The hardest hit being the Fraser Valley, southern Vancouver Island, and the Gulf Islands, along with Pemberton and Squamish. Only 10,000 remain without power right now, and Hydro says it will likely be restored this evening. The heavy winds didn't stop some hikers, though, from heading up the chief in Squamish. Put all our stuff in our bags and zip them up so that they stayed with us, and there's slits in the ground, so we stuck our feet in there and stood still. Yeah, how was that? Was that a little freaky? A little scary, yeah, but it's really pretty up there. It's so, so windy. windy. It was like, crouch down, stay low. That was the motto between everyone. Is that right? Oh, Crouching yeah. down. Otherwise, oh, yeah. you're off there. Well, when the gusts would come, you literally had to be on the ground or you'd get blown over. That, of course, is the Squamish chief in Squamish. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell joins us now. Is the worst behind us? Uh, yes. For most areas, yes. Uh, here's a look at some of the numbers. Howe Sound was one of the hardest hit areas, even a sustained wind closer to 90 kilometers per hour. Into the Fraser Valley eastern areas today, gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. And the southern half, especially for areas near Victoria today, close to the harbor, getting a gust of up to 60 kilometers per hour. Here's a look at the current wind sustained on the left out of the airport. We're still Still seeing gusts closer to 40 kilometers per hour. As we look ahead towards this evening, it'll start to ease off for a few areas, but anticipate for the early morning hours. Southern areas will still see very windy conditions, and then it'll dissipate as we get into the afternoon. Overnight lows, temperatures, a big weather story. We could see record lows. That coming up very shortly. Colleen? Okay, thanks so much, Yvonne. Three people are in hospital after a multi-vehicle crash at the Massey Tunnel this morning. Officials believe at least eight cars were involved in possibly two separate collisions. It's believed icy road conditions may have contributed to the incident. We're told the three victims were taken to hospital as a precautionary measure. It happened in the northbound lanes at the north end of the tunnel and temporarily blocked both directions of traffic before it reopened mid-morning. It can feel at times like the COVID-19 pandemic is all-consuming, and that can be frightening and overwhelming. We know all about how to avoid catching the virus, but what about protecting our mental health? Tonight, Julia Foy shares some strategies for staying calm during this crisis. The wind was brisk, but that didn't stop the Paul family from coming to Blackie Spit Park to clear their minds. I think that you have to 
take everything into consideration and, you know, do the best you can do with what's happening now, but carry on with your life. Even though it's kind of sad and scary right now and everyone's all upset about everything, I think that you should get outside. Experts agree that one of the best ways to calm yourself if you're feeling overwhelmed or fearful of the COVID-19 crisis is to get out in nature. I encourage everybody to take the time now to spend the time with their families, to go out so, to go outdoors, to take advantage of the time and the space that we have, but to do it together in small groups. <laughs> Therapists also recommend spending time with pets or animals, which can help you relax during a time of growing stress. And if we just keep obsessing on all of the negative, we're, we're scaring the heck out of each other, you know, with all this stuff. Some people may also be consuming too much information about the pandemic. People often describe it as like going down a rabbit hole. They start reading one news story and that leads to another. And before they know it, they're feeling de depressed or stressed out. Taylor says at a time of uncertainty, people can turn their fears into action to help others. Talk about the need for altruism, the need for us to reach out and to support one another during these times. Now's the time for, for working together. It's a time for compassion. It's a time for supporting each other. Finally, don't be afraid to reach out to friends and family for positive messages. Even strangers can offer support. This is life, you know, and uh, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's uh, wash our hands and carry on. <laughs> Even if you're scared, you can still do the same thing. Just be careful. Just to keep living your best life. Good advice for us all. Julia Foy, Global News. We told you earlier about those uh, Surrey rugby players trying to get home from the UK. Well, part of their challenge is the Donald Trump's new expanded travel ban that now includes the United Kingdom. Ireland. There are nearly 2,500 confirmed cases in America right now. And now the administration is taking measures to check anyone coming in contact with the president and vice president for symptoms of the respiratory illness. The White House says Trump tested negative for COVID-19 after possibly being exposed to the new coronavirus during an event at his Mar-a-Lago resort last week. But as Jennifer Johnson explains, many average Americans are still waiting for tests to be made available to them. As the number of Americans infected with COVID-19 rises, a show of force from the White House task force, again attempting to calm U.S. citizens. We're using the full power of the federal government to defeat the virus. They want to get it over with quickly and with very little death. The president's ban on travelers from 26 European countries into the U.S. went into effect at midnight. Now that list will include the U.K. and Ireland as of midnight Monday. But it's Americans overseas who are struggling to get home as airlines reduce flights. I mean, we were hoping that, you know, the government would take more concern about this, that airlines would, would make more of an effort. The bill is passed. Early Saturday morning, U.S. House lawmakers overwhelmingly passed a bill providing free COVID-19 tests for all Americans and paid emergency leave for workers sidelined by the pandemic. If you are sick, you need not be concerned about staying home. If you're sick, stay home. You're not going to miss a paycheck. Officials say millions of test kits are rapidly being made, while more communities roll out drive-by testing sites. The actual swab is, is pretty fast. Hospitals are taking extraordinary steps. Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles has set up tents to treat patients in its parking lot. 
Doctors across the U.S. already reporting a shortage of masks, protective clothing, and other critical items. What do we do if we have a limited number of ventilators? The nation's top health official says they are now mass-producing more masks and other equipment for hospitals, but warning vulnerable Americans are still at great risk. We will see more cases and we will see more suffering and death. The U.S. is becoming increasingly paralyzed by the pandemic. Normally bustling Penn Station in the heart of New York City is now a ghost town. Millions of students from kindergarten through college have been ordered to stay home. Businesses telling employees to telework. Americans limiting their exposure as the U.S. braces for a surge in cases of this deadly virus. Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Right across Canada, homeless shelters are on alert for COVID-19. It's a segment of the population already at high risk for any serious virus. But as we're learning now, the new coronavirus can be devastating. As Mike Armstrong explains, shelters and missions are already cutting services, planning for worst-case scenarios. It is a population without many of the things most take for granted. Not just a bed, but also things like sinks and washrooms, places to keep clean. Put hundreds of homeless people together in a shelter, eating and sleeping close together, and you have the perfect recipe for a virus like COVID-19 to spread. We are at a heightened risk. We can't change that. That's the way a shelter is. Shelters are ramping up cleaning procedures. They always worry about germs, even at the best of times, but this is different. The homeless population is at a higher risk from COVID-19 because many already have other health problems. A lot of them have respiratory tract illnesses, chronic heart disease, um, hepatitis C. Much of the last week has been spent on education and vigilance, making sure people already vulnerable were careful. But the worry now is turning to what if? What would it mean if COVID-19 got into the homeless population? Most big cities' shelters already hover around 100% capacity. What if people have to be quarantined? If at any point anyone is asked to self-isolate, how are you going to self-isolate if you don't have a home to go to? Some of the harder-hit areas in the U.S. have already taken special measures. A county in Washington state bought an Econolodge motel and has turned it into a quarantine facility for the homeless. While the city of San Francisco has leased 30 recreational vehicles and parked them. Well, I think that the, uh, the mayor and the, and the city has made it very clear that our number one priority is vulnerable populations. In Montreal, the four major shelters are always in close contact. They've dealt with threats together before. Back in 2017, there was an outbreak of flesh-eating disease. They are now cutting some services. A warming center is closed as of this weekend. Some are suspending volunteer activities. They're also only serving meals to people staying at the shelters. People from off the street can only get meals to go. And many understand why. Virtually everybody that we come into contact with has heard about uh, COVID-19 and is concerned. Now, there are worst-case scenarios being studied. Shelters and missions don't have big reserves of cash or extra facilities they can open up. Well, one Montreal shelter says it's considering making an appeal Monday, requesting the military be deployed to help with the homeless population. Mike Armstrong, Global News, Montreal. 
A Quebec woman and her Italian traveling partner are now free from captivity after they were believed to have been abducted in West Africa 15 months ago. Canada's Foreign Affairs Minister confirmed the news this morning. Edith Blay and Luca Tacchetto were traveling through southwestern Burkina Faso to do volunteer work when they vanished in December of 2018. The pair is now free in neighboring Mali. The federal government says it will continue to work with international partners to pursue those responsible for the crime. In Health Matters, some troubling news about the mental health of some American children. A new study reveals 8% of 9- and 10-year-olds in the U.S. have thought about suicide. Just over 1% actually tried to take their own lives. Researchers say kids with psychological problems and those exposed to family conflict were more likely to report suicidal thoughts. The risk was lowest among children with more parental supervision and a more supportive or positive, rather, view of school. The number of adults at high risk for vision loss is on the rise. Researchers from the U.S. Center for Disease Control looked at 15 years of national survey data involving roughly 64,000 people. They estimate more than 93 million adults were at high risk for vision loss in 2017. That's up from 65 million in 2002. Part of that increase is due to the aging population. People over the age of 65, diabetics and those with eye problems have a high risk for vision loss. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Some news that may allay some of your financial concerns, specifically around using your devices right now. We're going to have that right after Yvonne's forecast. Boy, Yvonne, was it ever blustery out there today. Very windy. It'll continue to be brisk for many areas. We still have a wind warning in effect for how sound that'll continue through the day on Sunday before it really does start to ease off on Monday. And the winds for areas near how sound still up to 90 kilometers per hour. It's sunny out there, very chilly. Temperatures are currently sitting out of the airport at five. Five degrees. Today we bumped up to six, but we do have a sustained easterly wind at 26 kilometers per hour. We're currently seeing gusts out of the airport at 39 kilometers per hour. The high was six. We had the coldest on record for Chilliwack with minus two starting off the day and the wind chill feeling closer to minus 12. We have the potential out of the airport to see record cold for tomorrow morning with temperatures getting down to minus two across Metro Vancouver. So a heads up, very chilly for the morning hours and with the wind chill, many spots will be feeling into the double digits. Metro Vancouver will be feeling closer to minus 5. Uh, 11 is the high, usually typically for this time of the year, and the sunset this evening will be just after 7 at 7.16. Here's a look. So tonight's lows, and then factor in the wind chill. Minus 5 is what we'll feel like. Areas near Whistler bundle up. It'll feel closer to minus 12. Kamloops minus 17, and for the interior, the northeastern corners, feeling closer to minus 30. So we'll have very chilly temperatures, but it is going to rebound over the next couple of days, especially as we get in towards our daytime highs. The current winds out of the airport, so we're seeing them at 40. Abbotsford right now, seeing them at 70 kilometers per hour. Those are gusts. The sustained winds right now up to 48 kilometers per hour. Very brisk for the southern half, so we will see that for the Gulf Islands, Victoria, areas near Tawasson, and stretching into the Fraser Valley. We'll still see very windy conditions to kick things off for the morning hours, and then dissipating as we progress through the day. It'll be 
Howe Sound that will start to see the winds dissipating into Monday. So a heads up, ridge of high pressure is going to build across the province. We'll continue to see the sunshine. That's the silver lining in all this. And into next week, temperatures will even be getting into the double digits. Risk of frostbite for the northeastern corner. Once again, the wind chill at minus 31. Whitehorse will have a chilly start tomorrow morning at minus 6. Most areas along the north coast bumping up for the afternoon, even by Tuesday, seeing highs up to 9 degrees. It'll be windy for areas that are closer to the water. Caribou and Central Interior wind chill minus 27 overnight. Columbia and Kootenai will start off at minus 13. Thompson, Okanagan into the minus double digits. The wind sustained at 30 and gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. Whistler, wind chill at minus 21. Windy through the day tomorrow. Temperatures start to climb Monday, Tuesday up to 10 degrees. And the island still quite windy. The southern half, if you're closer to the water through the day, it'll be brisk. And then by Monday, Tuesday, temperatures will be up to 12 and 13 degrees. Chilly do bundle up for the early morning hours. Through the day, though, it's sunny. It's fantastic. Picture perfect for for many areas. We've got a great stretch of warm weather. Even Tuesday, Wednesday, Colleen, areas away from the water could get up to 15 degrees. Spectacular. Thanks, Yvonne. As millions of people gear up to work from home or self-isolate if they have to to stop the spread of the coronavirus, tech experts say the internet is well-equipped to handle the surge. Experts point to evolved systems that already handle extreme bandwidths from streaming services. The only hang-up could be if everyone in your household tries to video conference at the same time. The solution there? Simply setting for audio only. Now, because it takes less bandwidth. Most major internet providers, including Shaw, Rogers, and Telus, are temporarily suspending data caps due to the coronavirus. So even if you go over, you won't be charged. For now. Sure. For now. We'll see. Don't get used to it. (laughs) It's a nice little break to kind of ease us into it. Yeah, and people want to use their their, um, FaceTime and, you know, there's chat availability on various apps. So... You know, it makes people feel connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you can work from home and avoid all this traffic and have a little extra data. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I've had a little more time in my hands. You have, yeah. haven't you? <laughs> I mean, I checked. You know, we, our toilet paper supply is fine, so there goes that idea. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's... There's uh, there's still a little bit going on. Some some uh, some good things have come out of all this. You okay. know, uh, kind of I call it like the nuclear explosion Thursday with the NBA going down and then everything mm-hmm. kind of made it real. I think for a lot of people, just not in sports. For sure. But since then, it's settled and people are doing nice things. So we're we're gonna have some some oh. good news about That's this uh, that people are doing some good things for people. We could use that. We could. Absolutely. A little good news. All yeah. right. Thanks, Bear. First. Back to the breaking news out of Whistler, North America's largest ski resort, shutting down tomorrow for a week. Global News anchor Sophie Louie is live in Whistler Village with more. Sophie, this announcement caught a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, it absolutely did, uh, Colleen. It came down about mid-afternoon. Uh, shortly after 3, I think around 3.20 or something like that from Vale Resorts, which is the parent company of Whistler Blackcomb, uh, Vale announcing that it is uh, ceasing operations of all of its North American resorts between March 15th to March 22nd. So uh, tomorrow until next Sunday and using that time, it says in the press release, to reassess uh, their approach to the season. Well, uh, a lot of folks had their 
um, overseas or U.S. spring break plans canceled because of COVID-19, Colleen, and so they chose to come up here to Whistler. Uh, some of them had already decided to come up here in the first place, so they're getting up here today and learning uh, that there won't be any skiing for them on Whistler Blackcomb, and here's what a few of them had to tell us. I'm, I don't really want to believe you, but... I know. I, I mean, I'm totally. I'm totally shocked. We just got off the mountain and only heard it from you. So no, we flew in last night. So it's a big bummer for us to hear. Well, that's ridiculous. Um, it's an American company, so I guess they're afraid of some sort of liability, or um, they can make more money on an insurance claim than they can just uh, staying open for the f people that are coming here. That's that's pretty sad, but you know, it might be necessary. Now, tourism, obviously huge business for this resort municipality of Whistler. Uh, Chris Quinlan is a former Whistler councillor, longtime Whistler resident, a local businessman as well. What, what was your reaction when you heard the news today? Well, it was pretty much the same as everybody had on Facebook. It was just like all of a sudden it came across, it's closing, and people are like, oh, my God, everything happening like that. And then it's been amazing, though, because a lot of the community has been rallying. You know, one of our councillors got on there and right away and said, hey, what, what can we do to get out there and support the community to keep it going? Um, but really shocked because we've never seen anything like this at all before. What do you what do you think the impact will be? Um, can you can you give us any sense of what the impact will be on the town and on the economy locally? Well, I think it's you know the hotels will be one thing. If folks decide to stay and they've already made their reservations, paid for it, hang out here, no better place to stay if you're going to be here. Stay outside and play. The health officer said that on the news. So, you know, it doesn't transmit out here. But I think, you know, looking at some of the smaller businesses where they might rely on some of the workers to be there uh, to support them, that might be an issue at all. We saw our local coffee shop. They said, hey, we're going to stop using the reusable mugs and we're going to assess our hours going forward. So I think it's really going to be a wait and see kind of thing for that. Yeah, things certainly changing uh, hour by hour. Okay, thank you very much for joining us. A couple of more things uh, I should mention. Uh, vale Resort says uh, lodging and property management operations will stay open uh, at their properties uh, to the to service the guests who are already here, but there will be no upcoming reservations being made. So basically all the resorts um, and the retail operations that are run by Whistler Blackcomb uh, will be shut down. As you can see, though, this is the Longhorn right behind me, and people are... There's no social distancing over there on that patio, which maybe is part of the issue. Who knows? But I think really it's people are just trying to wrap their minds around what has happened. I think there's some understanding that uh, this is a necessity right now. Uh, and that everyone is, you know, just trying to, to roll Cope. with the punches. At, at the moment, Colleen, as oh. we all are. Really. Oh, no kidding. And, and like, like you said, I think it's the surprise element that's caught so many people off guard, especially at the start of spring break. So disappointing. The, the timing of this is quite incredible. I just also want to mention, uh, we spoke uh, on the phone with former Whistler Mayor Nancy Wilhelm Morden, and she did point out that during ski season, the tax revenue from uh Whistler Blackcomb would be about $1.4 million a day. Oh. So if if it shuts down for seven days, uh, and, and who knows what's going to happen after March 22nd, that's just the tax revenue. So uh, the economic impact for this resort municipality, uh, we're going to have to add it all up when it's all said and done. But it'll likely be in the millions, Colleen. A situation that's raising a lot of questions right now. All right. Thanks so much, Sophie. We're all ad-libbing. Well, no script for all this stuff, no is there? Kidding. Which is kind it's, of bizarre and surreal. You can't you, you can't script what you don't know 
as it's changing. Exactly. Yes. But I got some scripted stuff here. It's actually good to hear because there's been so much, a lot of panic and fear. We, it's hard to calm down during these, but hearing good human uh, uh, acts, I think, will make you feel better. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, as all of the sports leagues try to kind of navigate through these uncharted waters, we are at least starting to see some very kind gestures, just uh, gestures, just as we saw a domino effect of all of the leagues suspending their operations. We're starting to see the same thing as teams, players, and coaches sort out what's important now. And many, including the Canucks, are thinking of all of the stadium workers who will be very affected financially by not working games. Most are part-time who depend on that money, so following the lead of others, Francesco Aquilini and the Canucks have announced a pro program to help effective stadium workers at Rogers Arena. Aquilini tweeted out today that Canuck Sports and Entertainment has initiated a program based on individual need that will help any part-time employee who requires support to avoid financial hardship during the unexpected employment disruption. So a great gesture and the right thing to do. The people who can't afford it, I think, need to help those who can't right now. Certainly people are going to eat a lot of costs right now. There's just nothing you can do. There seems to be a fair amount of peer pressure on doing the right thing during this uh, unprecedented shock to the world, but apparently the Calgary Flames are not there yet. As of now, the Flames part-time workers will not be paid during this pause in the action. It is a sour taste in the mouth. It's, it's a little bit of a slap in the face, to be honest. Jaden Wozni is an usher at the Saddle Dome and a die-hard Flames fan. The state student loves his job, but says he had no idea the Flames organization had decided it would not be paying part-time employees for cancelled shifts until his phone started blowing up Saturday morning. I found out this morning on Twitter, and it was probably the hardest way to wake up. I didn't have the email sent to me right away. For some reason, it, I didn't get it, and it was really devastating, to be honest, just to not... Just to find out you're not getting paid and you're not sure, you know, how it's going to all work out. On Friday, the organization sent this email to its hourly employees saying, Alberta Employment Standards requires employers give 24-hour notice for cancelled shifts. The CSEC will pay employees when there's less than 24 hours notice. No payment will be made for shifts cancelled with more than 24-hour notice. Adding, employees can apply for EI. Wozni says he's happy EI is an option, but disappointed the organization decided to go this route. You know, we see other teams in uh, the NHL and the NBA as well with players and management um, working with um, their employees to pay them. And so for us to get that cut, it's like it's devastating for sure. Saturday afternoon, the Oilers group released this statement saying, in times like these, we all need to stick together. The pause of NHL hockey and other events at Rogers Place has created a difficult situation for our nearly 1,650 part-time staff. All of them who are affected will receive payment to bridge the gap between EI benefits and their average earnings for the remaining regular season. For the Oilers to do that for 1,600 employees, there's no way that the Calgary Flames can not look at that and change their decision. Sylvana Benelich, Global News. Yeah, not a good optic there, Flames. It was confirmed today the Toronto Raptors have received a clean bill of health. All players, coaches and staff who were tested for COVID-19 came back negative. But just an hour ago, a third NBA player, Detroit Pistons' Christian Wood, has tested positive for the virus. The Pistons played the Utah Jazz one week ago. And, of course, the Jazz have the other two players who've tested positive so far. And speaking of that, Jazz center Rudy Gobert, whose positive COVID-19 test last Thursday really 
nearly started this worldwide shutdown of the sporting world, has donated half a million dollars to both the Employee Relief Fund at his home arena in Salt Lake City, and that money will also go towards COVID-related social services in Oklahoma City and his native France. Gobert apologized for his reckless behavior, documented here a few days before he knew he was infected and has thanked everyone for the support he has received since. Now he is giving back to help the cause. The Golden State Warriors ownership, players and coaches have pledged to donate a million provided uh, to provide assistance to employees who work games at the Chase Center. Warriors star Steph Curry said in a press release they wanted to do something to help ease the pain. The Lakers and Clippers are doing something similar in L.A. While the entire sporting world isn't shut down, there's just one pro league left going and it's one that would seem to be the most vulnerable for passing on viruses but the ultimate fighting championship did have an event today in brazil with no fans and they plan on having another one next week in london england here is charles So, yeah, eerie silence with no fans in the crowd. This fight card was in Brasilia, Brazil, a country with a lot of UFC fighters. And one of them, Charles Oliveira, earned a third-round submission over American Kevin Lee in the main event. We'll see if UFC keeps doing shows while everyone else has pushed the pause button. So, hmm. grappling sport still going. Strange, but we'll see. Not they like to beat to their, you know, go to their own drummers. So we'll no see. kidding, and not a lot of social distancing going on. No, there not either. there. Okay, Bear, when we come back, the cinematic hardship one UBC grad student endured, all in the name of research. Stay with us. Take the kids up the Sea to Sky Gondola for free this spring break. Head to Squamish to the reopened Sea to Sky Gondola where you can take the 885 meter climb above sea level to get astonishing views of Howe Sound, Shannon Falls, and the surrounding majestic mountains. From March 14th through March 29th, kids 12 and under ride free during spring break up to three children. Once you reach the summit, spend the day exploring the snow-covered wonderland with the various trails and activities. Visit SeaToSkyGondola.com for details. Okay, according to the box office numbers, most of you have not seen it, not even once, but a UBC Masters grad is proud to say he has watched the movie version of Cats four times, all in the name of scholarship. 26-year-old Jared Arnoff wrote his master's thesis on bad cinema to earn his degree from the university's Department of Theater and Film. His 80-page thesis was finished before Cats was released last fall. But he still managed to view the film, which has received eight Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Picture. The Razzies, of course, honor the worst films of the year. Aronoff says Cats was the most watchable of all the flicks nominated for the Worst Picture Award. But what makes it stand out? Well, it's script, which makes no sense. And, of course, the Cats quote-unquote bad movies are kind of all over the place. Uh, you don't really need to work to find them. I think that Cats is a special kind of monster. It just makes me sound so much weirder if I can say that I've seen Cats the movie four times. Um, so it's it's a bit of a a bit of a combination of a number of factors that led me to see Cats so many times, and I have already pre-ordered the film on DVD Blu-ray combo pack, uh, so I will likely be watching it more. 
Netflix should be releasing that because there's a lot of people at home right now who yes. would probably enjoy it one way or the other. I know our suckers for punishment would enjoy watching No it. Yes. kidding. So. Stay with us. We've got more after this. <laughs> and off. Here's a snow report for tonight. Whistler Blackwell with a base of 254. Grouse 385, 370 for Cypress and Sasquatch 250. Four new centimeters for Manning Park, three for Fernie, and 10 new centimeters for Kicking Horse. 10 new centimeters for Big White, 11 new centimeters for both Silver Star and Sun Peaks, and 23 new centimeters for Apex. Four new centimeters for Mount Washington, six new centimeters for Whitewater, 18 for Red Mountain and Powder King, a base of 425. Well, and people can still enjoy Whistler Blackcomb tonight before it closes tomorrow, unfortunately. Um, one of the good news stories we have tonight, the weather. It is going to be so beautiful. It is going to be dry. This will be great news as we kick things off for spring break next week. We can go get outside, do some activities. Uh, but it is going to be still very windy for the early morning hours and a heads up quite chilly tomorrow morning. So do bundle up. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us. Have a great night.